so thankful you're here. You know, um, this week I was thinking about this, this known fact. Do you know that we live at a time in the history of the world when there's more people on the planet than at any other time in history? I don't know if I, that was good grammar. Uh, there's more people in the world today than ever before. And you know what that means? It means that right now there are more people on the planet without Christ than in any other time. And God has called us to live in one of the fastest growing cities in Oklahoma. And I keep thinking about this this, uh, responsibility. And what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the fact that at this point, there's more lost people walking around than ever before? And when I look at projections, that number is just going to grow. You know, we need to respond appropriately to that calling. Um, There's a a concept in Scripture called the sovereignty of God. It's mind-blowing to me. It speaks to the the idea that that God God has supreme authority in in 2 Corinthians 6.18 and, and nine times in the book of Revelation, God is called the Almighty, the blessed and only ruler. In 1 Timothy 6.15, he's called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Ephesians 1.11, the Bible reveals that God works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. So, really, the logical implication of his sovereignty is that God has clearly called us to these days and to this place. And so I keep thinking about, are we responsible with that calling, with that time in the history of the world? And and, and with that idea in mind, we're going to look today at David's last words to Solomon. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 2. And it's a really important passage and an interesting passage. It's his final words as Solomon is about to take over the kingdom. And, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to know they're dying and then to be able to say what needs to be said to those that are closest to him. Not everybody has that opportunity. If you ever have that opportunity, you ought to make it count. And and I think God's going to use his word today to help us um, really hear from, from the Lord. So let's stand together. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 2. We stand in honor of reading God's word. And as we read this, there's two things I want you to just kind of notice. The first thing to notice, I think, is a a serious consideration of Solomon's walk with God. I want you to notice that. I also want you to notice some of the warnings 
that David says to Solomon. I think that God's going to use that today. And, and let's read this passage. Verse 1. When, the, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you also know what Joab the son of Zariah did to me, how he dealt with the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner the son of Ner and Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed, avenging in a time of peace for blood that had been shed in war and putting the blood of war on the belt around his waist and on the sandals on his feet. Act, therefore, according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to Sheol in peace. But deal loyally with the sons of Barzillai and the, Gil the Gileadite, and, and let him be among those who eat at your table. For with such loyalty they met me when I fled from Absalom, your brother." And there's also with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Bahurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day when I met him, when I went to Manahim. But when he came to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you're a wise man. You will know what, ought to, what you ought to do to him, and you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now look at verse 1. It's fascinating. It's, uh, let's look back at that. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. You know, I think there's a, a, an important lesson for us here just in that those first two verses, and, and, I, and we sung about it today, and I want us to just highlight it, and it's simply this, the plans of God will never fail you. Don't miss that. Never will the plans of God fail. And, and David knew it was time to die, and, and he says, look, notice that, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know, um, I want to be a good pastor today. I want to be a faithful pastor today. I want to give you some financial advice. Okay, here's some quick financial advice. Three things. One, uh, avoid credit card debt. It's always better. Number two, you're really not going to win the lottery. You're not. Okay, so don't, don't buy those tickets as you're throwing your money away. Number three, when somebody comes to try to sell you one of those coffins that uh, they're going to 
keep your body from decaying and then they'll bring you back to life later. Don't buy it. Don't. They're really expensive. You know, uh, rich people are buying these things. Rick Cuscio, uh, I called him yesterday and said, man, you got to remind me of this story. Uh, Rick is like one of those gifted men anointed with metal working. He can build anything out of metal. I mean, it's amazing what he can do. And, and, and word, he's well known among people that need metal stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and a guy called him one time because he was like, hey, I, I'm looking for a niche market. I'm, I'm, I, I want to design a coffin that is hermetically sealed. I don't know, I don't even know what hermetically means. I just heard it before. But it's a sealed coffin that will put this funky gas in there. The body won't decay. And then whenever they figure out the cure from whatever they died, we'll bring them back to life. There's a market for this. Will you build me one? Don't buy it from that guy. Don't do it. Okay? Because, uh, you know, David reveals something that, that the day of your death is a plan of plan of God. It's a plan of God. As a Christian, don't be afraid of it and make sure you prepare for it. David says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. But look what he says. Be be strong and show yourself a man, he says. You know what David's doing here? He's he's done... um, He's given his son the best gift a father can give, a parent can give. As a parent, you teach your kids how to live, right? You're to do that as a parent. But you know what else? As a, as a, as a godly parent, as, a, as, a, as a, a parent that has been impacted by the Word of God, the, the Spirit of God, we not only teach our kids how to live, we also, also teach them how to die. And that's something that David's doing here. There's not a more manly thing to do than to do that. Look what he says. Be strong, be courageous, be brave. He's basically saying to Solomon, don't quit on the Lord. Don't quit. Trust him. And, And that idea of trusting the Lord is a biblical lesson that you see over and over again in Scripture. Jeremiah taught this. Remember what Jeremiah says? Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that, that sends out its roots by the stream and, it, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit, Jeremiah says. Jeremiah was at a time when people weren't following the Lord. And he's like reminding God's people they they were constantly forgetting, trust the Lord, follow the Lord. And and it's common for us to trust in our own works, our money, or our, our retirement accounts, or what we can do. But no, we trust the Lord. And and we see this all through David's life. He he said, Show yourself a man. And, and you know, uh, we He taught him the most manly thing that a father could ever teach his son and a father could ever teach his daughter. This father modeled the fact. Solomon was crystal clear that his daddy needed the Lord. Man, can can I ask you a question? 
Do your children and do your grandchildren see in you this genuine hunger, realization that you need the Lord every day, every moment of every day? That David was crystal clear through his life, God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm seeking you. And David sought the Lord all his life. And, and we see this in, his, in the Psalms that he's written. And, and we've seen it in our reading for the past month, over a month. As we've looked at David in our Bible reading, that, that David was crystal clear, God, I need you. Let me tell you, that's the greatest gift you could ever give your children. Is this example of being a, a mother a father, a sister, a brother, a son, grandfather, grandmother. God, I need you. You know, I kept thinking, Lord, I want to develop the habit of seeking you in every situation in life. And I want to challenge us. Let's, let's develop a habit of, God, I'm going to seek you in every situation, in every way. I'm going to seek your face. You, you know, when David said, Show yourself a man. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. He sought the Lord when he messed up. David did. Solomon knew this. He sought the Lord in times of peace. David did this. He sought the Lord in, uh, uh, when there were forks in the road in life. David sought the Lord, and, and he sought the Lord in praise, in prayer, in all kinds of circumstances. And, they, and Solomon saw the faith of his father in, in all circumstances, and you see it right here, even as he faced the tension of his own death. And you know what he's doing right here is beautiful. Because even in the face of this tension of his own mortality, David has faith. And can I just, let's not miss this. Let's not miss the lesson to allow faith to be the first response in times of tension. And this is something you see in his life. Every one of us will go the way of all the earth. None of us will escape, escape death or tough times. But it's important, it's important to recognize, and you see in David, trust the Lord in all of it. I mean, Harrison's watching right now. Trust the Lord. Brenda Williams is watching right now. These are two dear people in our lives. They're at MD Anderson. And you know what? Trust the Lord. Let's consider what the Bible speaks about this moment. Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God is sovereign. God is, has a plan that all of our days were written in a book before one of them started. And let's look at this, past, this New Testament passage in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that gives us courage, helps us be courage. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
And I want you to know it is not a small thing to realize you can trust the Lord. The plans of God will never fail you, ever. Even though we we struggle to see the eternal, the eternal is real. And let's trust God with each and every situation that comes into our lives. Look at verse 3. He goes on, and, and keep the charge of the Lord your God. He looks at Solomon. Hey, keep the charge. Not of me, but of the Lord your God. That's so very important. You see David going, hey, look, don't, don't focus on me, Solomon. Look at him. Look what he says. Walking in his ways and keeping his statutes his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you, may be, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. If your son pays close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel." You know what David's reminding his son Solomon? He's reminding of the importance of obedience to God. And, and, and we've got to constantly, constantly be reminded of, of the, the blessing of obedience. You know that obeying God's commands, uh, the obeying the commands of God are, not, are, are blessings, not burdens. Let's never forget this. You know, we live in a world that's saying to us, you're not going to follow the Bible, are you? Really? Shouldn't we update this thing? I mean, we, we, surely we don't think like, like this anymore. That, that's the messages coming our way. And, you, and when you look at a lost world that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't understand the, the power of the Holy Spirit, that, do, that, that doesn't submit to God, which that's, our, that's what David modeled, submit to God, Solomon. Follow his commands, follow his ways, look at his statutes. Now, now um, he's pointing to the fact that Solomon obey the Lord. And that's a lesson we all need to catch because we understand that disobedience to God is more costly than you think. That was the truth of David. It was more disobedience. The times that he was disobedience to God was way more costly than he thought. And we've got to understand that when we disobey the voice of God, it is more costly than you think. Sin is a burden. Jeremiah 9.5 says this. It says, friend deceives friend, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to lie. Look at this. They weary themselves with sinning. And that's, that's Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He was the one in the time of the, of the children of God when they were just living disobediently. And, and, and what's interesting about the time of Jeremiah, he points to the fact that, that sin is weariness. That's what it produces in you. And, this, and, and no wonder we, you see a lost world. We read Romans 1 yesterday that talks about how they exchange the truth of God for a lie. That we are inventors of evil. And we live in a world that says, is trying to communicate to us that what is evil is good, that sin is okay. And that's just not the truth. Because sin is weariness. 
And no wonder we live in a world that's getting more and more chaotic because disobedience and a rejection of God's word simply doesn't work. And David looks at Solomon and says, obey the Lord. And let's, let's think logically. The opposite of that is true, that, that obedience to God produces more benefits than you think. It's more, it's more of a blessing than you think. And this is why we trust the Lord. This is why we look to the Lord and go, God, we're going we're gonna to follow your statutes. We're going to look at your commandments. We're going to follow your ways. Because, and, and when we do, it's, it's a blessing. It's like Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving that, that obeying God produces a perpetual blessing. And, and I'm not just talking about this world. I'm talking about things that don't burn up. You know, the Bible talks about those things that burn up, wood, hay, and straw. Are, are, and these are people that go to heaven. And I keep thinking in my life, well, uh, boy, I don't want to do things that burn up. John 10, 10, when you obey the Lord, it, Jesus, it, Jesus called it life. You have life and have it to the full. It, it, Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that, that when you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're wise. And, and when the rains come and the winds blow and it beats against your house, you don't fall. Folks, we live around more lost people than at any time in history. And you know what we're seeing is, is people falling harder and harder. Let me tell you, we're supposed to do something about that. We're supposed to run into that. We're not going to build a wall around our church and keep everybody out. No, we're going to open the gates and run out into the spiritual battle. But let's not miss the calling that, that you see in David's last word, the wisdom. Obey, obey the Lord. Let's obey the Lord. Let's know his word. Let's know his commandments. Let's push one another like iron sharpens iron. Let's, let's be a church that walks together, serving together, confronting one another, helping one another. Let's, let's hold each other accountable to obey God in everything. We're to obey the Lord. And David's very clear. Let's never forget that obeying God is a blessing, not a burden. The burden is found when you disobey the Lord. Let's not miss that. Now, um, now let's look at these warnings. Because if you start in verse 5 and you look at it, you think, man, David's a little grumpy here, right? You kind of go, well, is he kind of mad here? Is he kind of like, you know, old guy that needs to lighten up a little bit? He talks about Joab. And hey, don't forget him. And he, 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 was, he was inappropriate. Joab was a great general. Each one of these have incredible backstories that you ought to look at. I, I'm not going to go into each backstory, but you had Joab, you had a warning for him about Abner and Amasa. Then you had, um, uh, but, but notice verse 6. He says, act therefore according to your wisdom. Catch that. And he points to um, 
a blessing, a, a, a man that, that stood by him as he, as he was, it was loyal to him. He said, hey, bring him to your table. Then he points to um, that, that, that Benjamite um, who cursed him. Remember that story? David was like, yeah, I'm not going to kill him. Everybody's like, kill him. Now he's, he's like, hey, you look at verse, uh, verse 9. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you're a wise man. You will know what you ought to do to him. You know what he's pointing to? Each one of those have interesting backstories, but, but these warnings reveal something that God does for us. And I think it's this, that, that God warns us of the evil traps. God is faithful to warn us. God's faithful to warn us about traps that are in front of us, about evil around us. And, and one of the things that you, uh, let's not get uh, lose sight of, of David's harshness here because is he harsh? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But, but let's not forget that conflict with a lost world is unavoidable. Like the world gets frustrated with the, with the, the clarity of our message as followers of Christ. Because the Bible confronts us. The Bible, the Bible speaks to how we need to turn to Christ. And we live in a world that's trying to make the gospel less confrontational. We simply don't have that option. The gospel confronts us. And the enemy wants to change the message. But the Bible speaks. We follow his statutes. We know his commands. We follow his ways. We submit to what God has said. And you know, this reminds me of 1 Peter 5, 8, that we are to be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And what I don't want to miss as I look at the world, the time in history that we are called to live, when there are more lost people on the planet than ever before, let's, let's not miss the fact that God in his sovereignty has entrusted us to this time in history. I want to be faithful, both individually and corporately as a church. But here's what I know about what God's going to do. He's going to give us escape routes from temptation. They're always present. He's going to give us wisdom as we go. And let's not miss the fact that with these traps, God's given him wisdom. He says twice, look, I'm going to show you you're, you're wise trust. I'm going to lead you. It's, it's, the, it's why I pray that, that we learn to memorize Scripture. A couple weeks ago, I, I want to bring this back up. I asked you, I challenged you to memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. How are you doing with that? Let's, let's, let's get back at that. Memorize that. If you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, will provide a way out that you can stand up under it. Let's, let's, let's have that written on our hearts. Let's, let's recognize the, the blessing of this. Let's, and when I look at this warning of, of David here at the end, as he, as he points to these, these, these conflicts, it just reminds me, as David says over and over again, um, be wise. 
Trust the Lord. Do you know that God promises strength with everything that's coming to us? As I feel the burden of living at a time when more lost people are walking this earth than ever before. I used to think, man, it'd be so cool to get to heaven and hang out with Moses. And man, they were there at Egypt. Oh my goodness, Egypt. They were there at this important time. It's easy for us to look at other people at other times and think that it's more important when they were there. And we miss what God has put in front of us. And this is why I, uh, I want to remember what Solomon wrote a little bit later in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You probably know that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? Make your paths straight. That's exactly what David says to Solomon. Now, now Solomon struggled. He, he didn't always follow the Lord. He knew what to do, and many of his, much of his wisdom came from mistakes that he made. And if you look at Ecclesiastes, you look at his life, he, he, he definitely had moments where he, he didn't, didn't follow the Lord. And, and you know what? He said, I'm going to go my own way. And, and here's the thing. Uh, God, people miss God's plan all the time. He doesn't force us to go in the right direction. You're, you're not a puppet. Um, you can say, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. But David looks at Solomon and he says, it's not wise to do that. Trust the Lord. Obey the Lord. Follow the Lord. And in this last moment, um, he's saying to Solomon, seek the Lord. And I'm thankful for this message. And you know, as I think about this, the tenseness of this day for David, here he is on his deathbed feeling this tension. And I kept thinking about, wow, just inspired by the, the faith and the strength that David had. And, and you know, it reminds me that God, God gives us the strength to face any day that's in front of us. You know what God's doing here? He's given David dying grace on a dying day. And, and look at verse 10. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron, 30 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David his father and his kingdom was firmly established. You know, yesterday was my granddaughter's first birthday. 
She was so cute yesterday. It was a beehive birthday party. My wife made a beehive cake with honeycomb cereal and little bees all over it. And, and she's pretty cute, wasn't she, yesterday? Her other grandparents are sitting over there. We're kind of proud. But you know, I've thought about, what's that granddaughter going to learn from me? You know what I pray she learns? I pray she learns that her padre needs Jesus. He needed him. Needed him every day. Needed his grace. Needed his help. And do you know the most powerful thing, the most powerful gift I could give my granddaughter? Do you know the most powerful gift we can give to the next generation is that we need the Lord? Folks, we live in a world where more people need the Lord than at any other time in history. We're to do something about that. And I, I keep thinking about the, the challenge of that, the, 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 the difficulty of communicating to a, a growing population more people than ever. And then I think, oh, Lord, you're, you're with us. We need you. We'll obey you. And you will, notice what he said, you'll be firmly established. Folks, you know what it reminds me of? Is that incredible verse in Isaiah 43, 42, excuse me. Isaiah 42 I love this passage. It says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. No matter what comes our way, God is faithful. No matter what circumstances we face, God is faithful. His plans will never fail us. Let's not stop trusting him. And now today, we're going to end this service. Joe's going to come up. As he comes up, you may, you may not know Christ as your Savior. I'll come to him today. Oh, you need him. You need him. Come to him. But you know what we get to do today? Do you know what? You know who's in this room today? In this room, right this second, are some of the youngest leaders in our church. Now, there's some older ones too. They're not all young. But you know, we have a group of people going on mission trips this summer. And we're going to pray. You know, prayer is one of the most powerful things we can do. I'm praying for Brenda Williams, who's a battling cancer. I'm praying. We're praying on, on Wednesday night for Harrison Thursday. He has a very big surgery Thursday 
It's going to take all day. We're gathering Wednesday night at 6.30 to pray for him in this room. 6.30 to 7.30. Be one hour. You got to come. Prayer is powerful. You know what we're about to do? We're about to pray for some, some students that are going to do something about this lostness in the world. Hagen Hood is here. Hagen, come on up. Um, Hagen's going to Florida. Caden Hudler, he's here. He's going to Mexico. Emma Jinks is going to Uganda. Robin Payton is going to Uganda. Maggie Wall is going to North Africa. Carson Zumwalt's going to Kanakuk, Missouri. We have a New York mission team, Darby Webster, Tracy Webster, Sierra Webster, Jenny Tooley, Allison Bland, and John Belcher. Y'all come on up. Hey, we're going to pray. We have a prayer team. If you're in our prayer team, I want you to go around the room. I want you to get up right now. You may need somebody to pray for you. Hey, these are people that will pray for you. So they're going to be spread around the room. My prayer is that you listen to the Lord, but some of you, let's get on our knees today and pray for Harrison. Some of you need to come and pray for Brenda. Just pass these up and, or maybe sit at your seat and pray. The rest of us, let's, let's pick one of these out. Let's pick one of these groups out, these individuals out. And I need some of you to come and get all messy and lay hands on them. Let's pray over them. So let's go. Let's come pray. And um, if you don't come, pick one out. Eyeball them. Pray over them. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, we come to you as our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for your word. Help us do some real battle in praying for these teenagers who are going to do something about lostness. Lord, help our church do something about this growing population in the world and right here. In Jesus' name, amen.